Welcome to the Fast Host Proactive Podcast, Spill the IT. Each episode, we'll sit down with some of the amazing proactive team and chat through their experiences of the ups and downs of IT infrastructure management in small businesses. There's always plenty to chat about. Welcome to this week's podcast episode where we're going to be exploring FastHost's newest and most innovative data centre. And I have with me here George Daly, head of uh, the data centre fabrics at FastHost. And uh, George, you're going to do a much better job than I will of introducing yourself. So if you wouldn't just mind giving everybody a sense of who you are and what you do. I'll try, I'll try. Thanks. Yeah, so I'm George. Um, I've been working for FastHost for over 20 years now, um, since 2003, and um, essentially I've been doing lots of different network-related things in that time. So worked as a network engineer, um, ran a team of network engineers, moved into doing some network architecture and solutions architecture, and uh, in my most recent incarnation I am working on a new sort of modern data centre network fabric uh, designs, um, which is what we're running in the Worcester Data Centre right now. Excellent. And the data centre opened uh, in November last year, so it's yep. it's very brand new still. Um, so what, what drove the investment in this new facility? Because obviously previously you had all your hosting down in Gloucester. Yeah, yeah, um, yep. So yeah, so what, what drove that change? Yeah, sure. So there's a number of drivers. I mean, most straightforwardly, we were running short on space. So, you know, that's a, like a good problem to have. It's a problem of growth. You know, we were growing, selling new products, new servers, um, and starting to basically reach physical capacity in the site. You know, it expanded as far as we could. Um, also, in terms of power, there's only so much power that you can get um, in a city location like that. Uh, so, yeah, I would say essentially space and power were the, the, the major factors there. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. And um, so tell us about, because obviously the data center is really innovative and has yeah. all the latest technology and network capability, fiber mm. optic. Yeah. So um, tell us a little bit about that and how that benefits the customers of FastHost. Yeah, for sure. So from a networking perspective, um, you know, it's kind of an interesting challenge. Essentially, uh, you know, you have uh, a well-established data center with lots of different products um, installed in it. And the challenge is essentially to how do we um, connect that to a new site and how do we move those products and services with as minimal uh, impact as possible to the, to the customer. Mm-hmm. So um, from a fiber optic perspective, you know, there's only a couple of ways really that you can connect sites together. Essentially, you can use what's called dark fiber, where you get kind of a dedicated fiber strand between those two sites. Um, and you essentially own or lease that from a fiber provider and you can then add bandwidth to that as, as you need. Um, or you can just lease individual wavelengths, so essentially taking a, a wavelength of, for example, 100 gigs um, and, and using that. The way that we connected the sites was basically to take diverse dark fiber paths, so um, giving us kind of maximum possible bandwidth. So as we, as we grow and as we start moving services between the data centers, we can kind of scale up on demand essentially by adding new wavelengths um, uh, at each end of the, of the link. Um, from a availability perspective, which is one of the key things as an architect, when you're thinking about how you're going to connect these things together, we need to think about, okay, imagine a digger kind of chops through the ground and we end up losing one of those links. So we need to ensure that we've got diverse paths. So that goes all the way from where the fiber essentially leaves one site, making sure that there's no geographic shared location um, and there's no shared power in any of the, uh, any of the sites. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, essentially from a fiber optic perspective, that's kind of what it boils down to. Mm -hmm. Also thinking about, you know, the, you know, the major elements of networking, also latency. So in other words, how long does it take to forward traffic between the two sites? And we need to think about that on, uh, on both of those physical paths. So obviously the shorter the path, um, you know, speed of light applies in, in a fiber optic cable, the shorter the path, the lower the latency and the better performance that we can get for workloads that are uh, having to, to tra traverse those uh, data center links. Mm. And is that uh, sort of all those things you were talking about there, is that part of the redundancy? Because obviously it's a tier four data center, which yeah, is, yeah. has a strong focus on redundancy. Is, is part of that related to that? No, absolutely. So I mean, there's redundancy in terms of how do we connect those sites together in order to be able to migrate IT between data centers. And there's also redundancy in terms of how do we redundantly connect this new data center uh, towards the internet. So we also take diverse um, fibers from this Worcester data center and we run those to our WAN pops of presence, which are located at kind of strategic locations in London um, with you know, connectivity to the London Internet Exchange um, to be able to get us the shortest possible path through to you know, the other networks, um, consumer networks and provider networks um, that the customer traffic might need to be routed towards. Okay. so. So thinking about it, if if you obviously you were moving everything from Gloucester to Worcester, yep, or maybe yep. if not everything, a, a good deal of it. Mm. So how, that must have been a huge migration project. So yes. what was involved in that? It was immense, and there was you know months slash years of, of planning that went into the mix of being able to, to deliver that. Um, you know, in in Gloucester, we've got various different products. You know, some of them are relatively simple from a networking perspective. It's just simply giving a customer a bare metal server, and some of them are more complex and involve like virtualization technologies, containerization, uh, and things like that. So, in terms of um, how how we can kind of execute that migration, you know, for us, the guiding principle was trying to minimize any impact on the customer, and that's also our internal kind of system administration guys. So that means, you know, as we move a server from one site to the other, we need to make sure the IP address remains the same, which is an interesting challenge from a network perspective. You know, typically you would use um, IP or layer three to separate data centers to make sure that uh, a failure in one site can't be propagated to the other. It's just a good practice. So in effect, from a networking technology perspective, that means we need to use network virtualization where we provide kind of an overlay. So on top of the uh, IP links between data centers, we provide basically a tunnel. So that means when one server moves from one site to the other, it takes its IP address with it. Uh, and from the server perspective, it's entirely transparent. Um, it doesn't know that it's in a new data center. It thinks <laughs> it's in the same VLAN. It has the same experience. Mm -hmm. um, from a uh, kind of a network design perspective, there are some challenges in there. Um, for example, you know, you have a server in a VLAN, it has a default gateway, right? The, the first hop via which it routes to get towards other networks. Um, and that is, you know, in a classic setup, that would be like in one particular data center. Some new technologies that we've, that we've leveraged um, in moving RIT into Worcester, it uses something called EVPN VXLAN, getting into the nitty gritty. Um, which is essentially a method of being able to provide flexible layer two networks, so VLANs in old money, um, but to be able to deliver those across an underlying uh, IP network. So you still get to use the, you know, the, the robustness um, and the scalability of IP, but we get to also have the flexibility of, uh, of layer two and VLANs. And in the new data center, what that really means is that um, Essentially, our data center engineers can install any workload anywhere. So a server can go to any rack in the data center um, and it can be plugged into any VLAN. 
um, and nice. in in older setups, you know, there is an inherent um, uh, there's an inherent problem with that. So, uh, from a network architecture perspective, a large layer two domain, so being able to have VLANs extended across many racks in a data center, is inherently also a large failure domain, um, because layer two fails in uh, in various interesting ways. Okay. So. Um, yeah, to make a long story short, it's about trying to like get as much flexibility for the data center as possible so services can be plugged in anywhere, but making sure that we do that in a way that is uh, is very robust and scalable. Interesting. So, so, how, so security must be a bit of a concern, I guess, while all that's going on. Um, how did you manage that? So security is always a concern, um, absolutely. Uh, yeah, so, that, so that, that does get kind of quite interesting and quite sort of technical. So. Uh, essentially, we, we use firewalls um, mm -hmm. uh, to, to be able to provide a uh, secure separation between different network segments. Um, that, that's kind of interesting when you're thinking about how do I provide firewalling for workloads that are in transition between data centers, because essentially the firewall needs to be in one site or the other. Yeah. And we had some fairly interesting kind of uh, conversations and, and, and designs that, that solve for that problem essentially by taking a firewall cluster and deploying it with multiple nodes that split between the data centers. Uh, so the firewall control plane is, uh, is actually also tunneled uh, in this eVPN VXLAN um, technology between the sites. So that means that we can deliver the firewall uh, in both data centers and highly available in both data centers. Nice, nice. Sounds complicated. <laughs> Indeed, complicated. And very thorough. Yeah, that's right, that's right. And you know, the, the nature of these things is that uh, you know, as an architect, as a designer, when you're trying to build this stuff, it's like it's it's tempting to make a super complex solution that solves for every possible failure <laughs> mode. Mm. But the problem that you run into is that as as you do that, you introduce more and more complexity. Yeah. And in in network design, I mean, in any kind of design, complexity always has an inherent fragility to it. So the more complicated you make it, you know, the more unforeseen failure modes there are. And then when things fail, they can be harder to fix and take longer to identify and fix. Mm -hmm. So there's always a tension there that, that we're working with to try and make sure we give, we're giving all the features and the capabilities that are needed, but doing that in a way um, uh, that is as simple as it can be. Yeah, yeah, to make it easier to maintain and easier to maintain, easier to troubleshoot, easier to fix and understand and explain to others. Yeah, 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 brilliant. So, um, so after all of that, and and obviously, uh, we talked at the beginning about the reasons for making the move. So, what improvements yeah. has it allowed you to provide as a company? Yeah, so I mean, there's, there's a lot in there. I mean, for, in, in the network domain, I would say. Uh, we've moved from uh, a world where we had multiple different kind of setups and essentially uh, different network setups and designs for different products. And we tried to bring that together and unify it. So there's a single, uh, a single network design, a single topology, a single set of technologies that are flexible enough they can deliver all of the requirements that different products have, whether that's kind of security, bandwidth, etc. Um, you know, in, in the more uh, broad sense, uh, you know, we were able to leverage a lot of, I don't know, I think Simon Yeoman will talk in a, in a future podcast, we're able to leverage a lot of um, uh, improvements around environmental aspects and sustainability. So, mm -hmm. you know, the roof of the data center uh, is, is fully fitted with photovoltaic um, panels and we're able to leverage a lot from that in terms of uh, renewable energy. And in fact, the site itself is totally fed from green energy. Um, so, uh, so there's that aspect and also in terms of just the space that we have to grow into now. So, you know, I'm hoping that I won't have to be doing another data center migration for, for many years to come. 
Um, we have imagine. plenty of space, plenty of power and, yeah. uh, and, and, and bandwidth. So we can really grow into this site now mm. um, and, and focus on delivering new features and products that our customers, uh, our customers need. Great. Well, it is an incredible site, I have to say. When we pulled up today, it was very impressive. So I'm looking forward to having a look around at some point. Yes. Um, so you were talking about um, how you've combined products and, and really streamlined how you manage that in the data center from, yeah. from where you were before. And I think that's really interesting because um, some of the criticism that's leveraged at the hyperscalers, so the AWSs of this world, is that because their core customers are really the large enterprises yeah. who obviously have very highly skilled IT teams um, and really understand all of this in network infrastructure um, stuff, <laughs> yes. for want of a better word. Yes. Um, and what I was picking up on there is the fact that you've man- you've changed how you manage these products. Is that an advantage for the smaller business um, in the sense that they're not going to have to have that really in-depth knowledge in order to take you know use packages from? Yeah, no, I, w- I would definitely agree with that. Um, I mean, I think where FastSose positions itself uh, against maybe some of the larger US-based hyperscalers, the likes of AWS, is you know it's targeting a slightly different segment. It's targeting more SMB, um, you know, who may you know they may have an IT guy and a, an IT team, or uh, or perhaps they don't at all. Um, so it needs to be much more accessible, and that's definitely something that we try and build into the network design and network topology is to make it accessible to to our own uh, developers and users, but also to um, to try and simplify it and make it accessible to our customers. And I'd say, uh, for sure, if you were compar- comparing FastSoft to, to, to some of the other hyperscalers, um, that's definitely a differentiating factor. You mm. know, it's where, um, you know, we're solving some of the same problems of delivering solutions at great scale, but we're very much customer focused and trying to make it accessible and understandable. You know, it's, it's quite hard to, even as an IT professional, to, to, to keep track of, for example, the AWS uh, technical landscape and they're launching new services all the time, mm-hmm. which is great, um, but some of those are pretty complex and advanced uh, and your typical uh, small company or even if they have a small IT department is going to really struggle to, to be able to work with that. Yeah, because I guess as well it's translating that new product information into a commercial reason to use it, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely, yes. Um, so yes, so you're absolutely right. Simon is going to be chatting to us at the next podcast. He's going to be talking about um, actually the tier four setup mm. um, and then the sustainability aspect. So we're going to learn a lot more, dive into a bit more detail about those. But uh, thank you, George. It's nice to meet you. Likewise. And, uh, look thank forward you. to seeing you again soon. Okay. Thank you. Thanks. Cheers. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. You can subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcast or visit proactive.fasthost.co.uk for more info. See you next time.